I'm delighted to say I'm joined by an EFL legend today for this podcast. Um, I'm Alex Broom and I'm now joined by Craig Mikhail-Smith. Craig, thank you for coming on. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Enjoying the the good weather that we're getting. Well, sure, you can't make the most of it to to, to the degree you'd like to due to the um, lockdown rules. How have you been coping during lockdown? Uh, It's not been too bad. Uh, So... I spent most of my time trying to entertain them, um, trying to kind of get out in the garden and run around and just keep them entertained. Really, it's it's, it's a strange situation; they don't quite understand it. So they're it's just keeping them mentally active because I think that this moment in time they'd be at school playing with their friends, so they don't quite understand why they can't. Um, so yeah, just trying to keep busy, just doing activities and stuff, and doing the best we can until hopefully we can kind of resume normality. Yeah, have you um? What have you been doing yourself to keep fit? Obviously, as being a footballer, you've got to try and stay in the best sort of shape you can be. Have you been um going runs, working out, doing like individual training sessions? Yeah, I've been I've been going kind of doing some runs, trying to kind of stay fit, uh, doing some gym sessions, doing some ball work, just doing as as much as possible. Really, it's 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 difficult. Obviously, doing it by yourself, you don't really have a uh a guide of how how well or how fast you're actually running you're kind of just basing it off what what you're doing so I'm just I'm just trying to tick over I'm just trying to do as much as I can obviously with regards to the season and next season I don't quite know what's happening but I want to be as fit as possible because if I could see one season rolling straight into the next. So um, have you been reporting back to um, is it have you reported back to Gareth at Wickham or Alex Revel at Stevenage because of course you're known at Stevenage who have you actually been like feeding back your sort of um, progress and well-being too during the state? Uh, I've, I've talked to like, a bit of both. Um, um, I spoke to Gareth uh, recently, um, just obviously about the situation and what's going on. Um, I think my loan with Stevenage was up on the 29th of April, so um, I don't think I'll be going back there this season. Um, with regards to Wickham, I don't know what the situation is. I know, obviously, there could be playoffs, the season could carry on, so... I don't know my my role at the moment with them, so um, I've just basically they the both fitness coaches have sent me stuff, so I've just been literally just trying to stay on top of it, trying to do bits and pieces. Um, and as I say, whether I go back and I play for for Wickham with regards to finishing the season, if not, at least I'm fit and ready to to go for the following season. So hypothetically, if um, Wickham are in any playoffs, you would be available for selection then. Um, I don't quite know. I think they obviously got to go to the FA and find out the kind of the, the, the situation really because it's so unprecedented no one actually knows what the um what what is going to how it works out so I, I think the club are going to go and speak to the FA and, and see if it's possible to for me to be re-registered I haven't fe- uh, featured for Wickham this season I've only played for Stevenage I think the rules are you can you can feature for two clubs within a season so yeah. so hopefully they come back and they say yeah no that's that's fine and, and then obviously I can either hopefully play some some role in that or just be there training with the boys just to help them along so yeah I think there's a I think there's a meeting maybe this week um and just kind of wait to see really like I'd love to to be involved obviously the boys have done fantastically well to put themselves in the position that they're in um but just to be around it to, to finish the season off would be would be nice so due to um this pandemic um we're still not quite 100% sure what is going to happen in league one with um the final standings, whether it goes to points per game, which is looking likely now, whether it goes to the playoffs or not. Your um, former club, Peterborough, would be, um, for want of a better word, victims of this um, points per game ratio. Do you sort of feel sorry for them, seeing as they had like, quite an easy run-in and they've dropped from sixth to seventh due to Wigan moving 
from eighth to third due to having played one game fewer than the other teams around them? Yeah, it's difficult. It's, it's just it's such an unknown situation. It's just like it's something that has uh, not been prepared for. So no one knows really how to finish finish the season off. Like it's it, it's it is really difficult. It's obviously very difficult for the teams that are going to miss out. Um, and obviously, as I said for Wickham, it, 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 it's very it's very good. There's obviously there was ten games left to go, so there was so much football to be played. The, the teams that were outside the playoffs could still get in. Teams that were in the playoffs could probably still get in the top two. So it's a shame. It, it does look increasingly like the season, like a full season with the last ten games, isn't going to get played. Um, and the way they've gone, I think it's kind of everyone's, um, I think, looked at it and said this is the best way to go. And it's just a shame that it's it's worked out the way it has for Peterborough. But as I said, on the other side for Wickham, it's it's worked out well. So um, your former chairman, Darren McCampany, has been quite um, vocal on Twitter with his views. Do you, um, do you feel like, I'm guessing you know him fairly well as a person, do you feel like, sorry for him in a way, since he's put a lot of time and money into building a good squad at Peterborough who can quite clearly challenged to compete at the next level. Do you think it's unfair on him, seeing as all the effort he's put in is sort of going to be thrown back in his face due to the, due to reasons beyond his control? Uh, yeah, it's just difficult. So you say that like, it's, it's, it's reasons beyond his control. They've done the best they can physically do. They've put the best squad together. They've they've done fantastically well this season. Um, and as I said, like this is this has never been never happened before. So no one could could like foresee this or prejudge this. It's obviously it's difficult for other teams that are kind of on the edge of the playoffs and, and have spent money to to get into the to the the, the playoffs and, and a promotion. I think obviously Sunderland and Ipswich are two massive teams that could miss out. So I think it's it's been hard for for all clubs. Um, there's always going to be people that it, it benefits, and it's always going to be people that it doesn't, and, and that's just the way it goes. And um, I think whatever situation it goes for for both Peterborough and, and all the other clubs, it's kind of just like you just got. to kind of take it on the chin, which is difficult, and, and then prepare for the, the following seasons. As I say, it's probably going to roll around really, really quickly and you're not going to have time to kind of pick the bones out of what happened the previous season. You're going to have to go straight into the next one. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think you've just got to roll with it and take it as it goes and no one knows what's really going to happen. Mm. Right, so can we rewind back to the start of your career in non-league yeah. with Dagenham and Redbridge? It's um a strange way for a footballer to turn professional. Usually these days you see... um players coming through academies and then maybe dropping down from Premier League into um, the lower leagues. But you sort of rose the other way. You, you think of um, Jamie Vardy's story, rags to riches from non-league to the Premier League. You um, followed a similar path. So you did, you did well for Dagenham in the, in the conference. Um, how was that playing under John Steele and making your break into the um, Football League when you got signed for Peterborough? Yeah, it was, it was brilliant. Um, obviously, at that period, I think I came from Arsley Town to Dagenham, so I was quite low down in a football pyramid. So to go to Dagenham, to go full-time, I knew knew of, of Dagenham. I knew like, they had great success at the time in the FA Cup. So they were quite a, um, a big team in the non-league, make, making a lot of noise. So it was, it was great to kind of sign there. And at the time, uh, John Steele was bringing in um, kind of young players from from lower leagues, like myself, Shane Blackett, and he brought kind of Paul Benson, Sam Saunders, uh, Danny Foster. So there were so many. Like it was, it, they were building a squad to kind of go to, into the future. So it was, it was great. I, I went there as a, a right winger, and um, after a, a kind of a, I think maybe a season, John Steele changed me to a forward, which obviously made a big difference uh, in my game. Um, but I learned a lot. I learned a lot from from that time. Um, obviously, kind of different ways of playing football, having to deal with different physicalities. 
um and it was it was just a great kind of um learning curve to kind of get me ready for the football league how did you have to adapt your game from a winger to a striker then um I just had to learn like how the, the runs to make. Obviously, I had to hold the ball up a lot better. With a whip being a winger, it was like I could receive the ball kind of facing forward. So I was never really had people up behind me trying to put under pressure. So the I had to learn how to position my body better, get my body in the way, hold the ball up better. Um, I had to improve uh, on my finishing, the timing of my runs. Um, it, I, I played there kind of um, when I was a youngster. So when I was like... Sunday league football I was a forward and then I went to Arsley changed to a right winger um, and then John Steele changed me back to a forward but obviously learning at that level playing against the, the guys and the physicality of the, the, the people at that level it was a, it was a great uh, as I said learning curve and, and kind of like a, um, a way of learning how to take that into the football league. Well you certainly impressed well enough but you um, then earned a move to Peterborough which was very successful, to say the least. Um, 99 goals in your first spell. Part of um, one half of the Mac attack, as, as called, with Aaron McLean. How, how well did, did you ever envisage the move going that well? Um, no, not not that well. Like I, I, I believed in myself and I believed I had the ability to, to play well there and do well. But like you, you have these kind of goals you set, but you don't... Obviously, sometimes it's you don't reach them and... And that far outweighed, like surpassed what I actually thought I could achieve at the club, and it was it was just a great time really to to be to join the club. I was joining again another team that was uh, buying the best young players out of non-league. Um, myself, George Boyd, Aaron McLean. Um, you had uh, you had other players like Charlie Lee. Um, I think uh, Gabby Zakiwani maybe. So there was like there was uh, some amazing players that were being brought out to be uh, to build a team for the future, and obviously the 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 first full season I was there, we, we got promoted out of League One, and then the next season we got promoted from League One into the Championship. Um, and just the, the friendships and the, the the team spirit was just—it was just amazing. It was just an amazing time to to be at that club and, and be around the people I was with. So, um, obviously a double promotion going from two leagues, um, up two leagues in two seasons. I'm guessing a lot of the squad remained the same. Do you think that perhaps hindered your chances then in the Championship? Um, well, your first season in there because obviously getting relegated, you have a lot of the squad from League Two. Do you think it was perhaps too far a jump too early? Um, I don't know really. Obviously, you say we we, we went back to back. We went from League Two, League One into the Championship. Um, maybe we we maybe could have strengthened a bit more, but obviously it, it's difficult. To, it's difficult to to do when you get into the Championship. It, you, the players you need to bring in, you need to pay more money. You need to. To pay more wages and it's it's a it's a really really tough league to, to be in. Um, I think through that championship season we ended up having four four managers and so many different players and it's it's just not an ideal kind of recipe to, to stay in that division. So um, I think everyone kind of got it wrong. I think we misjudged how hard the, the league was. Maybe we could have brought in some different players and and obviously changing managers and bringing like players in here and there kind of made it a little bit more difficult. How was it working under Darren Ferguson then? Was he someone you got on well with? Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic for me. We, like, our, our kind of our philosophy was kind of all out attack. Really, we we wanted to score more goals uh, than the opposition. Um, we'd get the ball forward quickly. Um, when you've got the likes of kind of George Boyd, uh, at one point we had Lee Tomlin, Grant McCann, Tommy Rowe. 
um, Aaron. It's just it's it, we were just going forward with so much uh, talent that um, we never really worried so much about the defending side. It was always we knew we if we conceded, we'd always score more goals than we conceded. So it was it's a really exciting time to be there. It was it was fantastic as a striker because as I said we played without. Out worry, we just went and, and played with, with enjoyment, and, and I think that showed in the way we played and the amount of kind of goals we scored and what we achieved. So it's like you score three, we'll score four, just try and go all guns blazing and just keep 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 firing in the goals rather than worrying on defensively. Yeah, so obviously having such a good um, strike partnership on the pitch with Aaron McLean, did you get on well with him off the pitch? Yeah, brilliantly, brilliantly. Like, I think that's what made it such a great partnership is that we got on so well. We spent a lot of time together off the pitch and it wasn't just me me and him it was the whole squad like we we would spend we'd live within very close proximity like we had there's quite a lot of us lived on one estate so we kind of we'd train we'd go around each other's houses we'd cook dinner watch films we'd all go out in the evening together it was a it was a squad thing it was never we were never like too much of kind of an, an individuals here and there we if we, we were going to do something we did it all together and I think that's what what brought us so close together, and I think that's what gave us our success. Because I think we 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 enjoyed each other's company, and we wanted the best for each other. So that kind of meant that we were going to go above and beyond for each other on the pitch. Yeah, I was just about to ask. You think the team spirit was a big reason to why you were so successful during your time at Peter? But then, yeah, definitely. Like throughout the clubs I've been to in my career, like the ones that we've done well at, have always had like amazing team spirit. Um, and the, the the team camaraderie with like with Peterborough was was huge. As I say, like we'd all we'd all kind of go out on a night out together. We'd all go for meals together. Um, we just do everything together, and and, there, and it's it kind of it's, it's, say it builds a bond. And when you go out on that pitch, you don't want to let your mate down. You don't want to make a mistake, or if your mate's out of position, you're you're going to make that sixty yard run to get back in to help him. I think it's a it's a, a very, very big thing in football. If you can get your team spirit right and the team that's going to work and, and die for each other on the pitch, then then you, you've got a great chance of, of having success. I think you've got to give good credit to Darren Ferguson for that, signing a load of players who have got the right attitude, they're willing to stay motivated, run through walls for each other. It's obviously such a good recipe for success in um, any level of football, really. Yeah. Um, so... I, I know this um, lad who um, went to school in Peterborough and he said um, that in your spare time you would often play on the park near Cronin with some kids just coaching them and sort of like raising them sort of their football ability. Do you remember that? I remember, yeah, I remember being down in Cronin and talking to some, some of the, the kids and stuff out down there. I used to, because I used to live in the village and I used to, I used to park a lot just to go and train and um, there was obviously kids down there who recognise me so it's always just trying to help um I'd always go down there and like I used to race my dogs to to get quicker and stuff um so I was always doing stuff to to improve and obviously to, to help other people uh improve and give them little little bits of advice uh is nice it's nice to kind of just try and help other people along but being such an icon with the Peterborough fan base do you think um as well as your goals on the pitch Sort of like having that friendly personality off the pitch. Do you think that sort of helped um, earn your um, legendary status and popularity within the club? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm j- I just I just try and be nice to everyone. Like there's no me being a professional footballer is no different to anyone. It's just it's just a kind of a, a role that I, I'm doing, and, I, and I've got no I'm no better than no one else. So I, I try and treat everyone how I would like to be treated. Uh, I talk to everyone because this it, it's nice just to 
to have conversations. Everyone has different opinions. Everyone has different questions. And obviously, as I say, it's just nice to, to socialise with people and, and, and have chats. And, yeah, you, you, you see different points of view. You can explain your point of view sometimes when, when you're playing and, and what you see. And uh, I just think it's just being more open and, and receiving. I think it does definitely kind of help you with the fans because they see you as a, a normal down-to-earth person. I think now with the Premier League a little bit, players are so um, so far away from the fans, It's they, they don't have that relationship where if something's not going right, then the, the fans can kind of get behind the player because they understand who he is as a person and stuff like that. I feel having that, that closeness between the fans and the players sometimes gives you that little bit of leeway when things aren't quite going right. Yeah. So after a relegation from the Championship with Peterborough, you then stormed back to promotion in the first season in League One um, via the playoffs, I do believe. You scored in all three playoff games. Would you say you're a man for the big occasion? Yeah, I, I, I loved it. I loved, I'd loved the pressure. I loved um, just uh, that's what you play football for. You play football for the big occasions. You play football for to have that, that, that kind of nervous, excitable energy. Um, and just for me that season, it was just going so well. Everything I was, I was doing, everything I was kind of shooting at goal was going in. So um, to, to score in both playoffs, uh, legs and the final was just just an amazing way to kind of to cap off like my my um, period at Peterborough at the time. Would you say that's some of the best moments of your club career then? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like that, that, that kind of I think I was there for four and a half years. So that that four and a half years was just just an amazing. Um, amazing period of time. I spent a lot of time with a lot of uh, people uh, throughout that. The, my time at Peterborough, we played some great football, uh, scored lots of goals, promotions. It, like, I couldn't have asked for much more in, in that first period at, at Peterborough. So upon, upon leaving Peterborough, there was um, quite a few clubs interested in your services. Uh, West Ham, Celtic, Leicester, I've read. Obviously, you made the move to Brighton. What was it about Brighton and Hove Albion and more, maybe more importantly, Gus Poyet that managed to convince you to sign down south for them? Um, I just think it was just like he actually appreciated that he was wanting to sign me, spent time actually talking to me about like why they wanted me, how they were going to build a team around me. Um, I think I did speak to Leicester and West Ham, but they never really showed that much interest and it never really went anywhere. Whereas as Gus, he, he spent a lot of time explaining to me what he wanted from me and um, the path the club was taking, um, and he actually, he actually felt like he wanted me at the club. So, um, kind of looking at it, I, I saw that the club was putting a great infrastructure in place to be in the Premier League. It was, a, it was a, a good challenge. It was a, um, as I said, it, it was a, a next step, and um, yeah. And then, so I, I felt like he was the one that really wanted me to be there to, to help me progress and progress with the club. Did you feel? Um... Signing for quite a big transfer fee, £2.5 million. So some, a substantial amount of money, really, for any championship club, even today. Did you feel any pressure with that transfer fee on your shoulders? Yeah, I think I, I think I now I, when I look back at it now, I realise that I kind of took that in the wrong way. Instead of kind of like being a pre... Not being a... I was appreciative of it, but like being... Um, I let it weigh on my shoulders instead of looking at it and going, oh, brilliant. Like someone appreciates me. They want me for two and a half million and using that as a positive. I kind of took the pressure of our, like now they've spent all this money on their biggest signing of the, the, the their club. Like I need to, to go out there and I need to literally hit the ground running and score 20 goals in my first season. So looking back, I think I, I if I had changed the way I, I looked at it, I think I would have 
been more successful. I just think I took the I took the pressure uh, too much internally. Do you think it impacted your natural game then? You maybe thought too much about what you were doing. Yeah, I just think like I, as I said, I, I felt like because I was the the guy that the, the club record signed, and I felt like I had to do it all myself. I feel like I had to kind of take I took everything on my shoulders that I had to kind of set goals up. I had to score goals. I had to win the games. Um, and and that that can't happen. It can happen like now and then, but like you can't like it's very very difficult to do it week in week out. And obviously it was at a new club as well, so it was going to take me time just to settle in um, and just understand like how the team played and and obviously the team mates around me and stuff. So I think it was just something that if I I, I think if I'd have relaxed into it and uh, just appreciated what I was doing, I, I would have achieved a lot more than I did. It's um. Pretty much every footballer's dream to play in the Premier League. And of course, you come very close to Brighton. I think it was two playoff campaigns, which you just fell short in. Could you always tell that the club was going in the right direction, even during that time? They would end up in the Premier League sooner rather than later. Yeah, definitely. That, that, that was like one of the reasons I joined, because I could see like, the infrastructure, the way that the way the club was building, like where they wanted to go. Like It, it was, it was going to be a matter, matter of time. Um, I was hoping it'd be in my period of time I was there and you say we were close twice um, and then I think it's two or three years later after I'd left they, they'd reached the Premier League so I was never in doubt that it, they wouldn't get there it was just obviously like sadly for me it wasn't in my, my time when I was there but um, I'm, I'm, I've been I'm really excited obviously to see them get there because it's such a fantastic uh, club the great people great fans so I'm, I'm over the moon that they're, they're there and hopefully they can stay there do you um you played with some great strikers at Brighton, Leonardo Lajoa, Premier League winner, Ashley Barnes, thriving now for Burnley. Were, were they some of the best strike partnerships you had? Some of the best strike partners you had in your career, would you say? Yeah, they were. They they've done fantastically well, as you say. Leo's a, a Premier League winner. Barnes is now like a regular uh, scorer in the Premier League. Um, and I never really got to, like chance to play with Leo. I only think I played like maybe once or twice with him. Uh, which was which was a shame. Um, I think like due to my injury, uh, Barnsley I played with a lot, and he was a fantastic player. Um, probably didn't get the credit he deserved when he was at Brighton, um, and and obviously he went off to Burnley, and he's he's been outstanding for them ever since. So um, now they're, they're the two fantastic strikers, and they've gone on to to do some great stuff. You mentioned your injury there. I was just about to ask about that anyway. I think, um, was it a ruptured Achilles? And I saw you say that you felt like you'd been tackled, even though there was no one within 10 yards of you. <laughs> yeah. like, how how um how was that to, to be out for so long as a footballer, knowing that you won't be on the pitch for, was it best part of a year, maybe even just over? How did you keep yourself motivated to return? Because it'd be quite easy to let your head drop and like sort of sulk about it. How did you stay so motivated to return during that in- injury? Um, so during that period of time, I, I had my... We had my first, our first child, so my, my little girl was born. So that was kind of a, a real big blessing. It was sort of like a welcome distraction. Yeah, yeah. It was like four or five months. So she was born in August, and I, I ruptured my Achilles in March. So it was just it was just really helpful. It broke it up. It kind of gave me a, a, like a purpose to, to to keep fighting forward. Um, when I came home, I had I had her to kind of look after and and put all my attention towards. So it was hard because. Um, I felt like I was doing really well that season and then we obviously we missed automatic promotion by three points and then lost in the playoffs to to Palace so to to sit and watch uh, watch that when we were going to get we were so close to getting promoted to the Premier League was really really tough um 
and obviously through the pre-season and all that, like not training with the boys, spending all, all my summer in trying to, to, to learn to walk again and get fit. Uh, it was really, it was really mentally tough and, and I'm really proud of myself of how I kind of tackled that and got through it. But as I said, like I feel my, the birth of my little girl was, was a big, was a big motivator, a big um, thing that kind of pushed me forward. Yeah, I, I think that probably is the sort of thing which you need, like um, a bit of happiness in the personal life when the professional life isn't really in the ideal circumstances. So um, in during your time at Brighton, you had some great managers and big names working under. Obviously, Gus, who brought you to the club, Oscar Garcia, Sammy Hippier, Chris Hewton and Nathan Jones when he was caretaker. What, what did you learn from all those? They're sort of like different managers with different philosophies. So like you've got the passing game of Gus and perhaps Oscar, and then the direct hard working style of Chris Hewton. Like, did you like have to take different things from each manager to improve your game? Yeah, I had to learn a lot. I think it started with with Gus. It was kind of like um, it, it, was, it was a it was a big change because with Peterborough, it was kind of like get the ball forward to me, just get me in the space and let me let me go. Um, and it was it was at Brighton they said they were going to kind of do that to start with and then I feel Gus maybe had to adapt his style just as, just because the championship was a lot different to League One um, and then obviously he adapted it to, to the, the point where obviously Brighton became known for the passing style and the, and, the, and the keeping it and the moving it so I had to learn a lot through that period of kind of being patient I had to learn a lot more about holding the ball up uh, bringing other people into play like the timing of my runs so the through uh, Gus, I, I learned a lot, and I think it was very beneficial for me because it was it was parts of my game that needed to be improved. Um, I maybe didn't embrace it as much as I should have done at the time, as to say, like I because I was so successful with Peterborough under a certain style, um, I wanted to to carry on playing that that style. Um, so I think I got very frustrated um, sometimes uh, with the way we played. Um, Oscar Garcia was pretty similar. He was he liked to pass it. He maybe wasn't as much as as a, as a passer as Gus. So, so what I'd learned from Gus had kind of transitioned into. A, I only played a few games under Oscar, but transitioned into how that would help me under him. Um, and then kind of uh, Sammy Hippier. He came in with a style which I think you see now, which was kind of the Liverpool the way Liverpool play now. Yeah, uh, fullbacks getting on um, and uh, kind of the box of a midfielder in front of the back four. So I think he was quite ahead of his time, uh, Sammy. Um, it just never worked uh, for us because I don't think we could play it very well. Um, but it was really interesting to kind of see that formation and see how he set his teams up. And then uh, under Chris Hewton, he came in at a really difficult time um, trying to keep the club in the league. So it was, it was hard under him because we were very, very defensive um, and we were very, as forwards, we were very limited of chances. Um, so I found it quite difficult under him. But again, he was very successful with the club because he took him into the Premier League. Do you, are you um, surprised at how well the club's doing now, like being a, um, a stable Premier League club? Do you think that was always on the cards? Yeah, I think so. They've got, they've got fantastic owners who are, who are very shrewd and very clever. Um, they've done some, some, uh, some great business, obviously, uh, they've brought in a fantastic young manager. Um, they've got some some good young players um, with some some good experienced players, um, and they've be, they've kind of become a, um, a a Premier League team now, like one that's regularly um, in in mid to lower table, which is which is great. So um, it's tough though because the Premier League, the amount of money in there, um, it's it's tough for every t- every team really now. So for them to be regularly staying in the Premier League, I think is a, is a huge achievement. 
Yeah, massively. So when um your time at Brighton ended, you were your contract. You were told your contract was not going to be renewed. How how was that situation? Did um you get a phone call? You called into the manager's office. Uh, what I to see Chris Hughton, I kind of knew it was coming because I hadn't been the same player I was pre kind of rupture of my Achilles. It was it had taken me. So I was out for thirteen to fourteen months. Um, it it's, it was still kind of like I was still trying to find fitness. I was still trying to find like different ways of playing because it, it kind of taken a little bit out of my body in the in the sense of like acceleration split sprinting so I wasn't quite the player I was before um and I hadn't really played too much under under Chris I hadn't really scored too many goals so I kind of knew what was coming um so he just sat down and, and, he, and he just said he wasn't going to renew my contract and he just felt that it was there was kind of bits missing from my game and um he just felt it was it was time for us to depart company so there was no there was no Hard feelings. I knew, I knew it was coming. I, I was disappointed because I loved the club and I knew um, where it was going and what was going to happen. But I also understood the kind of the situation with myself. So um, yeah, it was hard to take, but it's football. It, it, it happens, and you just have to move on and and it, move on fast. I can imagine you had a whole host of clubs trying to earn your signature after that because. You see a free agent Craig of someone of Craig McHale Smith's caliber. You, you can't really pass down the opportunity to try and um, sign someone of your pedigree. What what made you choose Luton um, after that? Was it some, was it work linking back with John Steele? Was it the location? The dropping down two leagues to League Two. It's safe to say that raised a few eyebrows around the footballing world. Yeah, I, I, I may have kind of jumped in a bit. Too. I may I maybe should have should have waited a little bit a bit longer to to, to see what was around. Obviously, John Steele was a at um, Luton at the time and, and wanted me to, to go down there um, and, and also I, I don't know I, I think as I said I, I might have just jumped a little bit too quick um, but obviously I also wanted to get back into playing football and I knew John so I thought it, it would be a good way to kind of feel my way back in and, and kind of start feeling like myself again so um, yeah I, I went I went and, and, and Obviously, Luton's a is a, a club that's a big club that wanted results instantly because obviously they were they were in League Two and didn't want to be there. Um, and I see it as a, as, as a challenge, so it was um, that that was the kind of the reason I went there. Do you feel like you ever produced your best football for Luton? Do you think they ever saw the best of you? No, no, not at all. Again, I've got a bad a bad injury. I was out for eight months. Um, I was kind of still finding my way back into to getting fully fit and I think it, it, it's, that was kind of halfway through the first or well, three quarters away through the first season I, I broke my ankle and out, out for eight months and then it's like you, you're kind of back to square one again and then you're having to rebuild yourself um so then no they never they never saw the, the true me I came back to, to to fitness and at the time they had kind of Jack Marriott, Isaac Vassell uh, and Danny Hilton who were all doing really well so um, it was it was tough not getting back in the team, um, but again, you've got three players of that quality in front of you. It's it's hard not to it's hard to drop one of them to to bring in someone who's been out for such a long period of time. It must be so frustrating for you getting injuries during the worst like sort of like the worst period you could have them in your career, like in your prime, firstly at Brighton and then at Luton when you just want to get back into it, as you said, play football and find your feet. That it must be really tough, but. Or I think you perhaps have an unwanted thing here. My, I, what I associate your time with Luton mainly is the best offside goal ever. Yeah. I think a lot of people that did, um, did the rounds on social media a bit. Like that's one hell of an overhead kick you scored against Mansfield. 
And I've got to say, from the naked eye, it doesn't look like you're offside. How gutted were you when you saw the flag up after that? Oh, oh I was devastated. Like, he must have the best eyesight in the world because, like, I from watching it back, there's like, it's like I, I can't see where I'm offside. Um, so it was just really, really disappointing to score a goal like that. Um, and if I was kind of two or three yards offside, then I can kind of hold my hand up and say, yeah, it was nice to score it, but obviously I was offside. But to 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 the naked eye to see it, like you probably have to t- get VAR and probably say like two millimetres or something, maybe. Like it was just, it was, it was hard because I think as well at that time, like scoring goals, was, I was finding hard at Luton. So to, to for that to have counted may have made a, a big difference for, like, for myself over the next few games. Um but again, it's all it's all ifs and buts. It's it, I did it, yeah. and it was dis, it was disallowed. And, and again, you just you just move on. It's, it's football moves so fast. It's just you, you can't you can't dwell on these things. I saw. Um, I looked in the. Because obviously, it's right in front of the away end. I looked in the faces of the Mansfield crowd. There's so many people shocked, like their hands over their mouth, like wow, has he just done that? And then seeing the linesman of his flag up, I can't imagine how like gutted you must have been. Would you say that would have been the best goal of your career had it stood? Uh, it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be right up there. I scored an overhead kick for, for uh, Brighton, which is probably one of my best goals of my career. But that was like, that would have been, definitely would have been right up there. Um, yeah, it hurt. It hurt to see the linesman flag up. And as I said, I, I, I can't see where he's got it from. Um, but again... He wants it, to be a bit of a party pooper, really, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I say, he, he must have the best eyesight like uh, ever. It's just, but as I say, these, these things happen. you just got to take it on the chin and, and move on, and it's, it might have made a difference through my Luton Town career. It might have not, but as I said, so, it's all it's a bus now. When um, John Steele left the club, um, Nathan Jones um, was the man to come in and replace him. Did you know Nathan from your time at Brimes? Of course, he was a coach there. Yeah, he was the assistant manager, and then, and then obviously you say that he was the caretaker manager. So um, it was quite exciting for, for Nathan to come in because I knew kind of how he liked to play. Um, Obviously, he went on to make that style um, um, with the passing and the style and the way and the way with the diamond and stuff. So it was exciting for him to come in. Um, and obviously, I played a, a few games for him. Um, and then, I, as I say, I fractured my ankle, and and then I never I never played for him again after that. So it's it was it's just a it was just a difficult a difficult period to to be be at that club. Obviously, coming in wanting to impress again um, and kind of things not quite going how I wanted them to. Um, but it's all, it's all, you you learn a lot from it and it's, it's just kind of, it's, it's part and part of football. Have you, have you still got a good relationship with Nathan Jones then? Was there any bad blood when he didn't, when you, when, do you feel a bit aggrieved when you didn't play as much under him as perhaps you would have liked? Or did you understand like his reasoning for obviously having three top class strikers in as well as yourself? Uh, a bit of both. Obviously uh, I was coming back and, um, I felt fit and strong and I wanted to play and um, obviously he said he there was three good strikers in front of me um, any footballer wants to be playing and any, any footballer believes they should be playing and, and, and that was the case with me and obviously um, at the time the three strikers were, were, were doing well so I can understand his point of view of, of being well I've got these three they're doing well you're going to have to kind of wait and as I was older I was early 30s and they were all kind of early 20s so that their resale value was far greater than mine. So, um, again, I totally understand. It, it's disappointing because I want to play every game and I know what I, I contribute. Um, but you, you just move on and, and you, you look to the, to, the, to the next one. 
So then um, you went back on loan to Peterborough for what was, I think, your third spell in total. Your former teammate, Grant McCann, signed you. Yeah. Was that an easy decision to make, knowing you're going back to a place where you're loved and idolised, playing for your former teammate, your one goal off scoring 100 for the club? I'm sure all three of those things must have contributed highly to your decision to rejoin them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, like to, to, to go and play, to go obviously back up into League One, um, um, Grant's a good friend and obviously he asked me to come in and help because I think the club had just, they'd been do- doing so well and they just went on a little bit of a slide. Um, so yeah, and obviously the opportunity to go back and score my 100th goal and kind of uh, tick that box was 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 brilliant. And, and I had a really enjoyable time there. I think I'd scored five goals in 13 or 14 games or something like that. Uh, felt like I was getting stronger and stronger as the as the games went on, um, and then as they reached, I went over and I think scored 104 goals in the end. Uh, so it's it, no, it was, it was just great to go back. I, I love the club. The club will always be like it really important to me. It always will be in my heart. So whenever I get the opportunity to to go there, I'm I'm, I'm never going to turn it down. Do you think that's something you might look at after football? Then perhaps becoming a coach at Peterborough. I'm sure they have you back with open arms, but seen as a um, like the pedigree you've got there, like would would that be something you'd like to do? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I've got to do my coaching badges first, and I still feel there's a lot of life left in me to to play in the league. So I want to kind of exhaust that possibility. Really, I want to play as long as I can because once I step out of the game, like there there won't be any coming back. So I want to give it as as best a shot as I can for as long as I can. Um, but yeah, like obviously Aaron's gone back there and he's um, doing really well with the with the first team. Um, Mark Tyler, who's the goalkeeping coach, he was a previous player. So and Gavin Stratton's there. Um, so they, they they do well with with um, bringing ex players into into the fold. So it's definitely something I look at. I, I I need to do my coaching badges first, and then just obviously assess the options that come from that. Um, when you were in the hunt for your hundredth goal for Peterborough, it perhaps took you um, maybe it wasn't the way you'd have liked it to come. So after I've seen the goal, I personally think it's a bit of a cross. Only you know if it was a cross or a shot. Were you going for it or was it you trying to set up a teammate? No, I was trying to set up a teammate. But as you say, yeah, it took me, I think, six games to to score my 100th goal. And again, it's like I think throughout my career, when, when I've been at my best, my brain has, has kind of been in the background. And when I'm when I'm my worst enemy and, and not playing well, my brain takes over. And I think for the first six games, I was just concentrating so much on getting to the 100th goal um, I was just trying too hard and I was snatching at things and doing things I probably wouldn't do if I was just concentrating on, on playing. So um, it was nice to get there in the end. Um, as you say, it was, it was a cross. I was trying to kind of put it in the back post for for, for Junior uh, Marias. Um, and it, it was a little bit kind of anti-climax uh, because I think we were losing 2-0 to Oxford at the time. Um, and then I think we ended up losing 2-1. So the goal wasn't of much great consequence. But so we've got to a hundred goals. Finally, was was the aim, and and it's like something I'm I'm really really proud of. Well, it's a massive achievement to score a hundred goals for any club, really. After um, that season, you were um, released by Luton. I'm guessing you probably saw that one coming, not featuring too much under Nathan Jones. And then you signed for my team, Wickham. How did that move come about? Was it was um quite late? I if I remember correctly, it was quite late into the transfer window. You signed. I think the season had already started. So. Were you sort of like desperate for a club? Did Gareth call upon you or did you you and your agent put yourself out there to sign for Wickham? Well, Gareth, Gareth had been in contact um, and obviously had expressed his like uh, desire to have me at the club. And um, 
he was just obviously, I think throughout that period, we were just going backwards forwards and talking and, and obviously just seeing all, all the options that were available. Um, and obviously I, I know, I knew Gareth as a player. I knew kind of his style was very, very similar to me. Um, and I was just kind of speaking to him. Um, I spoke to Barry Richardson. Um, Sam Saunders was at the club as well at the time. Um, so it was, I spoke to a few people about what the club is trying to do and what they were trying to achieve. Um, so kind of after discussions with them and, and obviously uh, agreeing everything with Gareth, um, it was uh, and, uh, looking at the players that also had joined, you had Nathan Tyson and, and obviously I played against Bayo. So the club had, had great, great experience um, and obviously he was looking to, to, to do something. I, th- I think um, when you signed, Gareth said you were the missing piece to the jigsaw. Um, I don't know if you remember that quote, which obviously is a huge compliment. It was um, quite similar during your time at Brighton. I think Gus, uh, one of our Twitter followers sent in that Gus Poyet said he wanted to build the team around you. What do you think, um, what do you feel when you hear managers say something like that? It must be hugely complimentary to know you can be such a big part of a team. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. As, as a player, obviously, it boosts your ego, which is which is great. And obviously, you want you you want managers to, to see your the your benefits and you want managers to help you be the best you can be because the best you can be will help the team. So for, for people to say that, it's, it's, a, it's a great compliment. And it, and obviously, it, it fires you up to to want to wanna kind of prove uh, right what they've said. I think most people, when they think of Wickham, most players anyway, say that the dressing room under Ainsworth is like no other they've played under. Like Everyone's there for themselves. They've got great team spirit. Would you say that's a fair comment for um, yeah. Gareth's squad? Yeah, I'd say it's... it's, it's, it's Right up there with the, like the one one of the best dressing rooms. Like I'd say this and the Peter dressing room are the two best dressing rooms that I've ever been involved in. Like and and I think that's what drives Wickham on. Like the just the, the boys they spend all, the, all every waking moment of going into in training in the morning. You'd be all on the mat together. You'd all be stretching. Um, everyone holds each other themselves accountable as well as each other. Um, no one allows anyone to drop below the the line of what is expected, um, and there's it's an underdog kind of spirit. Like Wickham, um, don't people don't see Wickham as a kind of a big club um, as going to achieve a lot, and all and all the boys in their heads have taken that underdog spirit and and have, have driven it forward. And over the last three years, it's it's shown what that fantastic dressing room can achieve. Yeah, I think that's um a massive thing with it as well. Was when it comes to actual talent and. Um, ability-wise of the squad. So I think it's probably fair to say Wickham do not compete with the likes of Sunderland, Ipswich, like um, Coventry for actual pure ability. But that togetherness and drive the dressing room has like more than makes up for that. I think that's a huge skill of what um, Gareth has and what he's assembled. And as you say, with all the experience which he signed, I think coming out of League Two, like yourself, um, Nathan Tyson, Akif Femmer, the combined age of like 107 or something. So I think that must be one of the oldest attacks in the EFL. But it did the business and got a promotion out of League Two. How was that season in 2017-18 getting that promotion? Because, of course, you're a serial promotion winner in the EFL. Where does that rank amongst your favourite campaigns you played in? Oh, it's, it's definitely right up there. The, the kind of going to the club and obviously you hear the talk about people kind of writing Wickham off, like they're not going to achieve anything. Obviously, the, the, the budget's so small and the, the squad is very, very ageing. Um, but, but walking in there on the, in the on the first day, and then you look at the players as I said, like Sam Saunders, Marcus B, Nathan Tyson, J- 
Joe Jacobson, uh, Bayo, like players with serious, serious quality. Doesn't matter like their age, like the serious quality, and they all wanted to to prove people wrong and prove people that they've still got what it takes to 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 play the league league two level and win things. Um, so going in on the first day, I thought like we've got a chance here. You had some good young players. You had kind of Paris Cowan Hall. You had uh, Luco Nine, uh, Michael Harriman. So you, there was a good bit of kind of um, a mixture of experience and youth. So I was excited. I was really excited, and and the the, the talk straight away from everyone was like, "We're going to get promoted." Like, you look at the squad, like it, that that will be a travesty if this this team doesn't get promoted. So going in day one, it was that was the expectation. So that that season was um, notable for many late winners. Yourself scoring one at Crew. I think that was when the moment I really believed. I, I think it was just after, um, or maybe just before, the, that famous 3-2 win at Luton. I thought, right now, this is it. This is where I believe. Like We're really going to have a great chance of promotion from, from this division. So it, it must have been scoring all those late goals. It must be fantastic for the team spirit. But of course, there's so many games which decided like, Wickham get another injury time goal. Wickham has snatched a point late on. It must be great for the, like, for the team spirit and like, the confidence of the, of the squad knowing that no matter how long's left on the clock, you're not beaten. You can always dig deep and get that late goal. Yeah, I think that that's just synonymous with with Wickham. It was like we were never beaten. We like we we were losing games, kind of two 0 down to ten men or whatever it was, and we'd come back and win. Like there was there was that that belief that it didn't matter what the score was. Like we we would get something from the game, even if it was a ninety sixth minute. We would we would achieve something. And obviously, as you say, as the season goes on and and you, you keep doing it and you keep repeating that fact, the more you believe that there is something special going to happen. Um, I think for me, one of the, the games was probably when Beanie scored. Um, it's Carlisle. It's Carlisle. That was like, that kind of cemented to me that like, it didn't matter what else, like we were, it was happening. We were getting promoted. It didn't like, nothing could stop what was coming. So yeah, the confidence that was go, was, was happening week in, week out with those results. And obviously, throughout the last two seasons as well, it just shows like that the, the team never never knows when they're beaten and, and kind of just strives to, to win every game. So with that, are you surprised to see how well Wickham are doing now in League One? No, no. I'm, I'm disappointed last season because I expected them to do it last season or expected us to do it last season. Yeah. Um, and I feel at Christmas... The, obviously, we were three points outside the playoffs, um, and I'm and I'm just disappointed that they didn't push on. I left to go. A couple of um, lone players going back might have factored in that as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it was, yeah. I think that obviously, I think Fred went back. I think Bryn went. I think um, did Randall go as well? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that made a bit of a huge difference. But I, I honestly believe that if, if maybe if those three had stayed, I think there would have been a chance of. of been in the playoffs at least last season, um, so for for what they're doing this season, I'm I'm not surprised at all. I'm 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 slightly disappointed because over the Christmas period this season they were flying, and I think if if they could have got kind of a couple of wins um, throughout that that kind of tough eight games over the Christmas period, I think the club the club would still be in the top two. Um, but obviously. Um, where they are now, and depending on what the, the, the how the, the football league see it, for the club to to get into the playoffs uh, would be something that they deserve. And 
it, it, I think it's, it's an exciting time. So you've been promoted to the Championship, of course, with Peterborough. How, well, how do you think this Wickham team would fare if they did end up playing Championship football next season? It'd be tough. It'd be really tough. The, the Championship is, is basically the, the Premier League 2 now. It's the yeah. teams, the budgets. Like There's world-class players playing in, at that level now. So it will be a, a very, very tough task. But with the dressing room and, the, and obviously there's new owners and, and depending on how much they wanted to, would want to put forward to, to improve the squad, I wouldn't put anything past the team. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them to, to hold their own in the championship, um, so and and, and uh, but hopefully they get the opportunity to do that. So moving on to your current club, Stevenage, it's been a bit of um, well, it's been a bit of a strange season really um, for, for the club. Like starting with um, Dino Mamria, he then left. Then Mark Sampson was in caretaker charge for quite a considerable length of time. Then um, of course Graham Wesley come in, and no, none of those three managers really probably got the best out of the squad. What, what do you think it's down to that the fact Stevenage has struggled quite quite a lot this season? Um, as you said, like four managers in a season isn't ideal. Uh, every manager has their own way of playing. Every manager has his own ideas of what players he, he wants to use and obviously bring his own players in. So I think it, uh, uh, the squad was kind of 35, maybe more players. Um, so it's, it's it's a difficult a difficult one. And when you're down that kind of, area of the division the, the your luck just you just have no luck everything kind of seems to go against you um and then obviously it snowballs and it becomes more and more difficult so it, it's been really tough it's, it's a great great club and and obviously like if they can get themselves right and kind of uh be consistent with the manager and players and i think that they can they can do well it's just I think when I got relegated with Peterborough at the Championship, we had four managers and lots of different players. It's not a recipe to um, help you kind of um, get a a winning football club. You um, Obviously, Alex Revel's taken a job on a player-manager sort of role. Do you think perhaps they could have come looking for you for that sort of role? I know, um, obviously, you're only on loan. But if um, if they had hypothetically have gone in and said, Craig, we're struggling, we need results, we want you to lead the team, lead some training sessions, would that have been something you'd have been interested in doing? Uh, it's difficult. Or is it too soon, maybe? Yeah, I think it's probably too soon to say that. I feel like I've got so much in me still to play. Um, and I feel like once you start kind of looking at that route of being a kind of a player manager, like man, uh, player coach, I feel like then you're kind of, you're seen in a different light. You're seen to kind of be moving out of the game and into that side of the game. So um, I feel for me, as I said, I've still got a lot more life in me. I hope to, to carry on playing in the league over the next few years. And then maybe after that, and then, uh, then I'd, I'd look into it. But I think, I think Alex Ravel is a great fit for the, for the club. Um, he's obviously been a player there. So he know he knows all about the club and, and what to do yeah. and, and what they expect. Um, and he's he was he was a good player as well, um, and obviously he, he's a young manager who's who's learning his way. So it's probably the perfect time for the club to to employ him because I think he's he's on his beginning of his journey, and I think Stevenage uh, needs something different to to start pushing them uh, back in the right direction. We still no one really knows what's happening with um, Stevenage either because. They've got, of course, um, we don't know if anyone's getting relegated. Then if it does, it could be Macclesfield with their points deductions. And then Stevenage, um, 
it, it could it could also be them as of course they're bottom of the league at the minute. So it's it's quite a difficult time to like appoint a manager when you don't know really what's going to be like in the future of the club. Yeah. But anyway, um, I appreciate um all of that. If it's I don't want to keep you too long as we've been nearly going for an hour. But would you be alright to answer a few questions on Twitter quickly? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Lovely. I'll just load it up now. Are you are you big on Twitter yourself? As I as, as I, of course I follow you, but I don't see. Does, see you tweet too often but then when I tagged you in that tweet you were quick to retweet it do you sort of go on to read and not really tweet yourself I'm trying to get more involved in it I normally spend more of my time on kind of like Instagram um but I, I need I'm trying to kind of get back into Twitter and and all that kind of Facebook and stuff I'm trying to get as much kind of out there as possible now I think I kind of dip in and out of social media. Sometimes I find it good sometimes, and then I find it uh, kind of staying away from it helps as well. Um, but I think, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to kind of slowly work my way back into into Twitter. Well, if um, you're after um, a good the, account to follow, at Alex Broom underscore, that's where all the banter's at. So, right, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll check that one out. Yeah, nice one. Right. Um, Dom, we sort of touched on this already, but Dom being a masked, the best dressing room you've been part of and why PS I love your work great CMS. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, as I said, I'd probably say Peterborough and, and, and Wickham, the two, the two dressing rooms have just like, they were, they, again, you, you can see the success that's, that was achieved in those dressing rooms. Um, and, and I probably guarantee that if you went to most of the teams that get promoted through the leagues and stuff, you'll see they all probably have one thing in common, which is the dressing room. So, yeah, um, yeah those two would be the two, I'd say. And then um, Gabriel Sutton asked, um, of EFL expert, you've been compared in more ways than one to Alex Samuel, which, although I'm guilty of that, to be fair, I think the first time I saw Alex play for the club was at Northampton in the Checker Trade Trophy. And I, I'm guilty of having a few beers before the game, but I thought... Oh God, Craig's changed a bit. So obviously, he had your old squad number twenty-five, and then as the <laughs> second half comes, they were shooting towards Ireland. I was like, "Hang on, that's not even Michael Smith. That's um Samuel." So for the whole half, I was just thinking you're Alex Samuel, and actually, I was thinking Alex Samuel was yourself. But anyway, um, <laughs> do you think um do you, did you work closely with Alex um when you were at Wickham? Because obviously, you have similar sort of play styles, like hard working striker wants to run in the channels, play on the last man sort of thing. Did you um have any like actual like coach like not necessarily coach you, but like advice to give him to sort of like improve his game yeah yeah they just tried to help him through really you say like he's he's very very similar to me uh the boys like nicknamed him my son so he was always known that like he was always my son when i was around um and he's done he's done brilliantly like he's as you say he works hard he's very good at holding the ball up and winning free kicks um he's probably like i was when i was younger and, and he, he probably needs to work a bit on his finishing um and and throughout my time there i tried to just help him and, and talk him and, and explain situations and scenarios and just and just help him through i think obviously there's, there's bits and pieces you can work on and i think if you can kind of get them right i think he'll uh he'll definitely definitely in league one he'd be a, a serious threat so um i, I hopefully I'll, I'll be going back into training at some point so i might be able to get a chance to speak to him and just help him through and um hopefully see him improve yeah, I think um, definitely if he um, if he improves the areas he's perhaps a bit um, not so good on, he could definitely have a success as, as successful a career as what you've had in the EFL. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all. So, um, Paul McLeod asks, which is the best goal you ever scored in your career? Um, I'd probably say the overhead kick for Brighton away to Burnley is probably my best 
my best goal that I've scored. Um, yeah, I've I, I, I scored a volley for Peter with my left foot, which was which was good. But I think just because of the the technique and running away from goal, um, I think it was that was probably my best one. Is it just instinct with an overhead kick? Like do you just do you see the ball set up and think right, let's get let's get up and volley it, or do you sort of like have to? Tee yourself up and prepare for it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and no, I think it was just—it was just instinct. It was just the fact that I'd gone one way, the ball had gone the other, and realistically, the only way I was going to kind of get the ball back towards goal was by doing an overhead kick. So it was just like it was—it it just worked out perfectly. Just like the timing, like I took the shot, like I, I didn't even feel it hit my foot, and and, and then obviously it's, it's, I didn't—I don't think I saw it go in the goal. I just knew when I hit the floor. I, I heard obviously this the scream, so yeah. I knew it had gone in. Um, so yeah, it's just a, it was just a very instinctive, uh, instinctive shot. I think I've, I've tried them a lot in training, and always try them in games. And sometimes they're successful, sometimes they're not. And that, and that's that was just perfect. Everything worked out perfectly. So um, finally, before we wrap up, um, you made um, seven appearances for Scotland. Yeah, is that? Um, I, I think I saw that's from your. Um grandmother being born um up that way yeah were you always unhappy to play for scotland even though perhaps like your mate like most of your blood's english was that always something you were happy to take on yeah yeah as soon as i like i joined peterborough and stuff it was always and it's always been um in in my blood and my heritage and it was and i kind of spoke to barry and we, we just said like that i've got it in my in my heritage so is it worth like putting it out there to them to see if there's a possibility of me me playing for them, um, and obviously I think at that time that was it was George Burley, so he he wasn't really too interested. And then I think Craig Levine became manager, and I was doing really well. Um, in I scored loads of goals in League One at the time, so I, I got a phone call to say that they wanted me to to uh, be in the squad. So to to represent Scotland was just like it, it blew my mind. It was just an amazing amazing honour, um, and and my first cap was against Brazil at the Emirates and, and my nan came. So it was just like, it, it couldn't have gone, have gone better. So um, I, I loved, I loved every minute of, of representing Scotland. It must've been brilliant playing against some of the best players in the world. Of course, Brazil and Spain you played against. Uh, it just must be like fantastic. Like even with the players you're playing with in Scotland, like international quality players, it just must be like a, of course, a brilliant experience for yourself. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just a massive insight into like, what you need to do and, and and what you how you need to to apply yourself to to be one of the best in in the the world. Like obviously, I was playing with fantastic players in the Scotland squad, um, and you see kind of the qualities they have and and what they do. And then obviously to to play against uh, teams like Brazil and Spain, then it's like that's like the next step. There, like these two players are playing for the Real Madrid's and Barcelona's, and and so you get a massive insight into into the, how these players play and, and and what makes them so great yeah no i get you completely well it's been the best part of an hour so i think it might be good to wrap up there thank you very much for coming on really That's appreciate right. it. um hope you i hope you stay safe during the rest of this um pandemic and i hope you can get back to playing football soon hopefully hopefully we'll, we'll have some answers over the next few weeks and and we can somehow draw this season to a close whatever way it's going to go so we can kind of like, we can focus on that and, and get the next season up and running. Yeah, top stuff.